Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality. That's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, October 31st, 2022, the 649th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month, and you'll be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, all I ask is that you share it with your friends. So I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. If you were following along with current events or perhaps following me on Twitter, you'll already know that this was one of the most hilarious weekends probably in the history of mankind, and I have enjoyed every little second of it. So on Thursday evening, the first signs that Twitter had become a platform that was at least slightly more open to free speech after Elon Musk took control 
began to emerge. And it was kind of like the 4th of July, just fireworks going off everywhere. People were starting to say things that they had kept to themselves for a very long time because they were scared of being punished by their fellow children. And they were revealing finally that they knew the 2020 election was stolen and that COVID was complete and total nonsense and that men are not women and women cannot be men. And the vaccines were never safe, nor effective, nor necessary. And that January 6th was a complete and total hoax. And all of the Cretans in the establishment began losing their minds. They needed something to take back control of the narrative. And what did they get? Well, they got a real life Mad Lib where a deranged, drug-addled, nudist, hippie commune living Green Party degenerate hit the Speaker of the House's husband with a hammer after the police arrived and found them both in their underwear. But let's get the full story straight from the vanguard of the propaganda machine. Joe, it is Monday, October 31st. Paul Pelosi, the husband of the Speaker of the House, the woman who was second in line to the presidency, was savagely attacked on Friday. And while surgeons were operating on the fractured skull of the 82-year-old grandfather, deranged right-wing fanatics, Trump media allies, and some of the most powerful people in the world were feverishly trying to stir up conspiracy theories that distracted from the central political headline of this story. That years of Republican propaganda and Trump-fueled fascism led 42-year-old David DePap to break into Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home, seemingly with the intent to harm her. Today, he'll likely be charged with the attempted murder of the speaker's husband, who was in the home when DePap allegedly invaded it. San Francisco police say he smashed his way in, a man on a mission, and confronted Paul Pelosi, but looking for Nancy. According to the AP, citing a person familiar with the situation, Pelosi told the intruder that he had to use the restroom. He was engaging with him, trying to hold him off. And in the restroom, that's where Paul Pelosi's phone was charging. And that's when he dialed up 911. When police arrived, DePap attacked Pelosi violently, smashing a hammer into his head and arms, fracturing his skull. Pelosi went into surgery. He is expected to make a full recovery. Police say zip ties were found at the scene, just like the ones found on those who were hunting Nancy Pelosi at the Capitol on January 6th. And that's not the only similarity. Before attacking Mr. Pelosi with a hammer, a source tells NBC News to pap shouted at him, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? Where have we heard that before? Some on the right would say, don't jump to conclusions and don't connect that to this. And naturally, she goes on to show video from January 6th, where the people in the Capitol were saying, Nancy, Nancy. So this was just a mini January 6th, except every single detail of the story that Mika just told is completely wrong. Who was the source, by the way, who claimed 
that David DePap was saying, where's Nancy? Where's Nancy? That's just a story they ran with. There's no actual source. Who's the source? Was it DePap? Was it Paul Pelosi? Was it the person Paul Pelosi called the 911 operator? No, it was none of those. Was it the unknown person that opened the door for the police? Why didn't the police burst in if the Speaker of the House's husband was potentially under attack by a deranged, drug-addled hippie? Why didn't that happen? How is it that DePap attacked Pelosi with a hammer after the police already arrived and said that Pelosi was holding the hammer? And David DePap must have disarmed him and then hammered him in the head and his arms, apparently, He's injured in all those places with the police watching as the speaker of the house's husband was attacked with a deadly weapon. Maybe the police were afraid to do anything, afraid to shoot DePap because Paul Pelosi himself in his 911 call called DePap a friend and called him by his name. Why were one or both of them in their underwear? Why are people now saying that they weren't in their underwear after already saying they were in their underwear? What kind of hammer was it? Was it Nancy's gavel or was it a hammer shaped dildo? Why are there no signs of break-in? Where are the security cameras and where's the footage? Where are the police body cams and the footage from those body cams? Who opened the door? Why is there a door that is broken where the glass is hit toward the outside. Who broke that door from the inside? Why is the only proof that David DePap is MAGA or QAnon or right wing in any way from a blog that no one can verify he actually wrote or even existed before Friday? And why has every detail of this story fallen apart, but people like Mika Brzezinski keep revising that story and retelling that story in the best possible version. And why are they still hooked on the meaning of the story, which is that everyone is under permanent threat from the MAGA QAnon people who are just all about political violence. They went there to assassinate Nancy Pelosi and just ended up in a half-naked struggle with her husband instead. Why is DePap a relatively prominent nudist and degenerate who associates with pedophiles fairly openly in San Francisco? And why is that allowed by the police? How did David DePap even get anywhere near Paul Pelosi's house? Unless, of course, he was invited. And why would he be invited? Well, because Paul Pelosi may just have a secret life. Wasn't he just arrested for a DUI a few months ago? Wasn't there a passenger in the car? Who was the passenger? Why don't we get to know any of these things? You see, commies, this is how conspiracy theories spread. When you tell everybody a big story and every detail in that story proves to be an absolute and outright lie within hours, and you still use that story to create a hate campaign to further censor and oppress your political opponents right when they're sniffing free speech for the first time in years, 
people might think that you're not telling them the truth and might start figuring it out for themselves. And if they do too much of that, they might realize who the real conspiracy theorists are. It's you, Mika. It's always been you. And of course, it's not hard to imagine Paul Pelosi having a second life, which includes homeless, gay prostitutes like David DePap. Was he there for the sex or was he there to bring Paul Pelosi drugs? Is it a drug deal gone bad? Is it an orgy gone bad? Was something discovered that they need a cover story for? Who knows? But it's not like Nancy Pelosi has continually surrounded herself with good people, including in her family. Her father was a communist and mobster. That is not a rumor. That is not extreme. That is not hyperbole. It is absolutely verifiably true, proven in records from the FBI that were released on, of all days, January 6th, 2021. In those same documents, it shows that Nancy Pelosi's brother was one of, I believe, 14 individuals who were involved in the gang rape of two preteen girls. He was the only one who was acquitted. Nancy Pelosi's son, Paul Pelosi Jr., has a history of corruption and criminality in business deals. And we're going to find out a whole lot more about that. But the idea that Paul Pelosi is a pervert and a degenerate is not surprising. Nancy and Paul Pelosi have gotten exceedingly wealthy between selling Nancy Pelosi's political power and the couple's insider trading. These are not good people. These are among the worst people. And yet we are told that they are the victims of political violence that is somehow connected to January 6th. One of the new details that they added, maybe it was Saturday, maybe it was Sunday, is that they found zip ties there. And everybody knows that zip ties mean very, very scary, just like they were on January 6th. Don't you remember all those stories about zip ties? Well, Mika remembers them too. So the relatively homeless, drug-addled hippie who was a nudist, a member of the Green Party, and lived in a home where there was a Black Lives Matter LGBTQ flag flying outside, picked up zip ties somewhere so that he could attempt to assassinate the Speaker of the House because a couple of months ago, out of nowhere, he turned MAGA and just kept living at the hippie commune with the Black Lives Matter flag outside. There is absolutely no reason to believe any of it. And early reports actually showed that the Capitol Police was going to be there investigating. Now, you might remember a year or so ago, Nancy Pelosi set up a Capitol Police field office in California. Why in the world do we need a Capitol Police office in California. Oh, it's to investigate. I mean, cover up things like this. Because remember, the Capitol Police is the totally unaccountable Praetorian Guard of Nancy Pelosi. They are not subject to FOIA. Nancy Pelosi basically controls them. But that's just a conspiracy theory. 
Now, yesterday in the morning, Hillary Clinton put out a tweet just dripping with hate speech and conspiracy theories. She wrote, the Republican Party and its mouthpieces now regularly spread hate and deranged conspiracy theories. It is shocking, but not surprising that violence is the result. As citizens, we must hold them accountable for their words and the actions that follow. Elon Musk responded to her and said there is a tiny possibility there might be more to this story than meets the eye. And he shared a piece of citizen journalism from the Santa Monica Observer or something totally crashed their site. And the mainstream got very, very mad because that piece of citizen journalism had unverified claims, not like Politico or the New York Times or all of the very serious intellectuals on Twitter who put out true claims that then were later learned not to be true. So they revised the claims. And then when those claims were also false, they revised them again. And when those claims were false, they revised them again. You see, they're different processes. In one instance, you have totally unverified claims, even though they're backed up by evidence. And in the other instance, you have verified claims that turned out to be wrong. The most important thing is that the claims are verified by the people capable of verifying the claims. Doesn't matter whether the claims are true or false. It matters who verifies them. That's how you can tell when something's a conspiracy theory. So the very serious intellectuals on Twitter, many of them imagining themselves as very reasonable centrists, they're moderates, they're conservatives, but they understand that they have to unify with the blue check liberals on Twitter, they can't make those blue checks too mad or else they'll get kicked out of the party of false decorum. They'll be called no, no people and conspiracy theorists. And they don't want that. They don't want that. They get paid to write articles for Fox news. And you can't, you can't just go without that sweet, sweet Fox news money. Hey, we write for corporations. Let's keep everything very responsible here. We can't allow the no-no people to get out ahead of the story until the corporations say it's okay. And so they lecture us on how to be responsible with information. That's what's important, being responsible. Now, it's worth pointing out that none of these people have checked to see whether or not our elections are stolen. They were wrong about everything COVID. They promoted and advertised the vaccines on behalf of Big Pharma. They didn't check that either. They promoted and advertised the very violent insurrection narrative, of course, without checking. And these errors due to laziness and ignorance and fear and the overwhelming desire to fit in with the cool kids club. Well, those are just the product of being responsible. They had to wait, you see, until all of the facts have come in. That's what they always say. Oh, I'm going to wait to opine on this until all of the facts come in. Sure, the main story is falling apart in every single detail, but we could never imagine that an opposite story might be true. We could never imagine that the people telling us this story have a motive other than seeking truth. They would never lie about something so important as the Speaker of the House's husband being attacked. Let's wait for all the facts to come in. Well, 
Hey, morons. How has that gone so far? How is it gone waiting for all the facts to come in about COVID and lockdowns and masks and vaccines? Ben Shapiro, oh, he waited for all the facts to come in and it turns out he was lied to and it was not his fault. It was the fault of the people that lied to him. He trusts the experts and the experts let him down. And the only solution is to blame his error on someone else and then continue trusting the exact same people that lied to him. Don't you understand? The problem is not that Ben Shapiro didn't check and that his doctor wife didn't check. The problem is that the experts lied. But now that they've lied, there's just nothing that can be done. We have to accept it and move on. Mistakes were made. No one gets it right the whole time. We were just waiting for the facts to finally come in before we thought, hey, maybe the experts are leading us down the wrong path. These people are lecturing us about being responsible. Hey, very responsible people. Your responsibility has a death toll. How about that? Do you just think everyone's going to forget what you've done? These people who are concerned trolling that Elon Musk is being irresponsible, refuting Hillary Clinton's hate narrative. These are the responsible people. Well, I'll tell you what these people are responsible for. They're responsible for the country locking down, destroyed millions of lives millions of businesses. It led to increases in isolation and loneliness and anxiety and depression, which leads to self-harm and thoughts of suicide and suicide. It leads to domestic abuse and child abuse and drug abuse and alcohol abuse. They accepted and supported masking, the masking of children, knowing it would absolutely and necessarily be harmful because they still said it was worth it, even though they didn't know. They were immediately convinced that questioning the outcome of an election was irresponsible and could destroy our democracy. And the responsible move was to allow our country to be usurped by an illegitimate communist who spent 50 years in politics filled with criminality and corruption, selling his political office to the highest bidder, even when there are foreign adversaries. The man is a deranged pervert who used to have probably inappropriate showers, in the words of his own daughter, with his daughter as a small child. She wrote in her diary that she used to beat her vagina to cover up the sound of her parents having sex. That's who Joe Biden is. Joe Biden is the father of one of the most degenerate and despicable children any of us have ever seen, who he employed as his bagman around the world to complete these foreign business dealings where he sells out the interests of the American people to our foreign adversaries on behalf, by the way, of the global communists. Joe Biden was mentored in politics for over 30 years by a Klan leader named Robert Byrd who filibustered the Civil Rights Act, but they don't care. The responsible thing is to say that the election was safe and secure without checking. That's what responsible people do. You can't put out information that refutes the central narrative until that information is adopted by the central narrative and the corporations and the global communists that create the central narrative for all of us on our behalf.
You can't put that information out. It's irresponsible. It must be verified first. You can't call the obviously false story into question until the people who created the obviously false story admit that the story was false the whole time. That's how it works. You have to be responsible. So being responsible people, they realize when it's time to change their tactics, you know, usually after the science has evolved and once all the facts have come in. Well, today in the Atlantic, they have attempted a revision of the moral landscape with an absolutely stunning article by a woman named Emily Oster. Emily Oster is an economist at Brown University. She is the author of The Family Firm, A Data-Driven Guide to Better Decision-Making in the Early School Years and Expecting Better. Why the conventional pregnancy wisdom is wrong and what you really need to know. The headline in her very serious intellectual article is let's declare a pandemic amnesty. We need to forgive one another for what we did and said when we were in the dark about COVID. In April 2020, with nothing else to do, my family took an enormous number of hikes. We all wore cloth masks that I had made myself. We had a family hand signal, which the person in front would use if someone was approaching on the trail and we needed to put on our masks. Once, when another child got too close to my then four-year-old son on a bridge, he yelled at her, social distancing. These precautions were totally misguided. In April 2020, no one got the coronavirus from passing someone else hiking. Outdoor transmission was vanishingly rare. Our cloth masks made out of old bandanas wouldn't have done anything anyway. But the thing is, we didn't know. Now, you might say, hey, that's enough. I get it. I totally get where this communist is coming from. I expected this day eventually. But sorry, we got to do the whole thing. Now, those two paragraphs should be enough for any normal person with a functional adult sized brain to say, hey, it sounds like Professor Emily Oster might be one of the stupidest people on earth. And I get it. That is absolutely an open and shut case after just two paragraphs. We didn't know. Well, hey, commie, we knew. How did we know? But you didn't know. And once you riddle me that and find a really complicated and convoluted answer for why you're still right and you're still the smart one, maybe you can just do everyone a little tiny favor and remain silent forever. I have been reflecting on this lack of knowledge thanks to a class I'm co-teaching at Brown University on COVID. We've spent several lectures reliving the first year of the pandemic, discussing the many important choices we had to make under conditions of tremendous uncertainty. Some of these choices turned out better than others. To take an example close to my own work, there is an emerging, if not universal, consensus that schools in the U.S. were closed for too long. Hey, Emily, any school closure 
was that school being closed for too long? Some countries didn't do it at all. Did they have any spread in the classroom from student to student, from teacher to student or from student to teacher? No, they didn't. So what was the point of closing the schools? What was the point of the plastic barriers and the masks for small children? Oh, I remember better safe than sorry. Better do the thing we know will harm them. So we don't have to accept the fact that the no-no people are right, that none of those things work. But you get it. Schools were closed too long. They made a sort of right decision. And then it became wrong once all the facts were in. That's what it means to be responsible. You torture the kids until the science says you can stop. The health risks of in-school spread were relatively low. Oh, yeah. And there was absolutely no chance that any child was going to die from COVID. And that's why none have. Whereas the cost to students' well-being and educational progress were high. And that was obvious from the moment you communists started considering it. The latest figures on learning loss are alarming. But in spring and summer 2020, we had only glimmers of information. Reasonable people, people who cared about children and teachers, advocated on both sides of the reopening debate. And no, that is once again false. There was nothing reasonable about arguing for school closures. There never was. We just had to call it reasonable because the people in power were saying it was irresponsible to argue with that idea. So they censored us. Another example. When the vaccines came out, we lacked definitive data on the relative efficacies of the Johnson & Johnson shot versus the mRNA options from Pfizer and Moderna. The mRNA vaccines have won out. But at the time, many people in public health were either neutral or expressed a J&J &J preference. This misstep wasn't nefarious. It was the result of uncertainty. Well, hey, professor, wrong again. Because the way you just framed that assumed, first of all, that the vaccine had any efficacy and was safe and that it was necessary to prevent serious illness or death from a disease that doesn't cause serious illness and death for nearly everyone. And then you told everyone that they had to choose one of them. There is also no real scientific measure at all anywhere that the mRNA shots have won out. They just won the advertising war and you still believe them. Obviously, some people intended to mislead and made wildly irresponsible claims. Remember when the public health community had to spend a lot of time and resources urging Americans not to inject themselves with bleach? Hey, you remember when Trump said that thing he didn't say, but we said he said it and everyone just believed it? Ha 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 That mean, stupid old Trump orange man. Oh, we showed him with that one. He doesn't even understand the science at all. That was bad. Misinformation was and remains a huge problem. But most errors were made by people who were working in earnest for the good of society, but not those no-no people who were disputing the whole narrative and have proven to be right about absolutely every single detail of it, especially directionally, which is the only thing that matters. 
The only way to have actually saved lives throughout this time was to have done the absolute polar opposite of everything people like Emily Oster recommended. But that debate wasn't allowed to be had because it was irresponsible to share all that correct information. What you have to do is assume that the public health experts and the pharma companies and the media and the big tech censors and the universities and the corporations and the bankers and the political parties were absolutely all doing their best and being totally honest the whole time and presume they're all operating in good faith because if there's one thing we know, those no-no people who are disputing the central narrative Oh, those people are spreading misinformation on purpose. They weren't working in the earnest good of society. Given the amount of uncertainty, almost every position was taken on every topic. And on every topic, someone was eventually proved right and someone else was proved wrong. In some instances, the right people were right for the wrong reasons. In other instances, they had a prescient understanding of the available information. And there you have it. The Scott Adams gambit. The Ben Shapiro special. Yeah, okay, we were wrong, but it's because we got lied to. We were doing the right thing by following the science. I mean, sure, we never checked to see if we were wrong. But we knew who the right people were and we knew who the no-no people were. And that's all that matters. You don't have to listen to the no-no people at all. They're irresponsible. They don't wait for all the facts to come in. But it's not a hate movement. It's not a hate movement. They're just always wrong and evil and working in bad faith to try to destroy society while we're trying to hold up society by being responsible. And those people that were right, well, they were right for the wrong reasons. It just randomly occurred that they were right about absolutely everything. It was, it was by accident. I mean, what are the odds? Certainly they're not one in a quadrillion. Oh, right, right. One in a quadrillion were the odds that Joe Biden's vote came in as it was reported. But you can't talk about that. You can't talk about that. That's irresponsible. We have to wait for all the facts to come in. The people who got it right, for whatever reason, may want to gloat. Those who got it wrong, for whatever reason, may feel defensive and retrench into a position that doesn't accord with the facts. All of this gloating and defensiveness continues to gobble up a lot of social energy and to drive the culture wars, especially on the Internet. These discussions are heated, unpleasant, and ultimately unproductive. In the face of so much uncertainty, getting something right had a hefty element of luck. And similarly, getting something wrong wasn't a moral failing. Treating pandemic choices as a scorecard on which some people racked up more points than others is preventing us from moving forward. And that's what we have to do. We have to forget it all and move forward. You got to just let it go. Sure, we oppressed and censored you. We took away your homes and businesses. We destroyed your lives. We made your industries obsolete. We made your children unhealthy. We forced them into a medical experiment without informed consent. And we used all of it to steal an election and cover it up. And now, yeah, sure, society's destroyed, but let it go. We all just need to move forward. And we promise if you let us move forward and let us 
continue being the professors and the experts and the very serious intellectuals, the very important people we know we are, well, then we'll stop oppressing you for a little while. I mean, sure, we're going to continue to call you hateful and make sure that you can't, you know, use services like banking. But in terms of who's right and who's wrong about COVID, we should all just forget that. We have to put these fights aside and declare a pandemic amnesty. We can leave out the willful purveyors of actual misinformation while forgiving the hard calls that people had no choice but to make with imperfect knowledge. You got that? So the people who were putting out the actual information that professors like Emily Oster call misinformation, well, there's no amnesty with them. Those are still the bad people. The amnesty is with the people who went along with us, but not fully. They got frustrated with us because we wanted to go the whole way. And they were like, hey, commies, this is probably a little too much for me. Those people, those are the people the amnesty is for so that they can all unify and keep the experts in place as experts. Everyone has to respect their status and wealth and power no matter what. People who don't do that are being irresponsible. There was no way for anyone to have known until all the facts have come in. And now all the facts have come in and nothing changes except we're offering you this amnesty as long as you keep getting your mRNA flu shots and your mRNA RSV shots and your mRNA heart shots to fix the myocarditis that your other mRNA shot caused. And Joe Biden is going to cure cancer. It's a cancer moonshot. What is the cure going to be? <laughs> An mRNA cancer shot. Los Angeles County closed its beaches in summer 2020. Ex post facto. This makes no more sense than my family's mass hiking trips. But we need to learn from our mistakes and let them go. We need to forgive the attacks too. Because I thought schools should reopen and argued that kids as a group were not at high risk. I was called a teacher killer and a genocidaire. It wasn't pleasant, but feelings were high. And I certainly don't need to dissect and rehash that time for the rest of my days. You see, she was basically on the good side the whole time. She was the one who was being reasonable. She's now offering an amnesty to everyone else. She's going to say slightly less awful things about other people if they agree to her amnesty. Moving on is crucial now because the pandemic created many problems that we still need to solve. Student test scores have shown historic declines, more so in math than in reading, and more so for students who were disadvantaged at the start. Whoops! We need to collect data, experiment, and invest. Is high dosage tutoring more or less cost effective than extended school years? Oh, you got that? Now your kid's just going to have to be in school forever because whoops, they messed up and ruined your kid's education. Huh? Sorry about that. Let's have amnesty. Why have some states recovered faster than others? We should focus on questions like these because answering them is how we will help our children recover. Hey, Professor Emily Oster, expert from Brown University. How about no? How about no? No, you don't get to study this and get more information and invest taxpayer money for the new solution that you now have after all the facts have come in. No, 
Just silence forever. The solution is that public schools should just be eliminated. That's a better solution than what Emily Oster is offering. Parents should just simply raise their own kids. We have been shown that the public school system and the people making decisions for the public school system, most especially the teachers unions, are absolutely terrible custodians of the younger generation. The way to help children recover is by never listening to you dumb communists ever again. Many people have neglected their health care over the past several years. Oh, hey, Emily, do you think that's because hospitals closed to elective care to reserve beds for COVID patients that they never actually needed? Does that have something to do with it? Or maybe all of the missed cancer screenings. Could that be? Hey, maybe neglecting your health care means signing up for an experimental gene therapy that destroys your immune system. Hey, maybe that's an example of people neglecting their health care. They didn't check and you didn't check and they didn't check because you told them not to check. You already checked and you were sure that the experimental gene therapy was right for absolutely everybody. No questions asked. And it's irresponsible to wait for the facts to come in. Oh, wait, that's not how it's supposed to go. Yeah, that's right. Okay. So let me get this straight. Hold on. Hold on. It's a tough one. The only responsible thing is to take the vaccine before all the facts come in. Right. Okay. So it's just this one instance where the responsible thing is to just accept the facts as they're told to us and not wait for the facts to come in because we're in an emergency situation where everybody is dying. And every now and then it's important to remember that every single COVID death was either data malpractice or medical malpractice. And of course, there are still more facts coming in about how the tests didn't work at all, which means the likelihood that COVID killed people when other comorbidities were listed is zero. But wait, on the basis of those tests, people were put into the hospital protocol, which calls for remdesivir, which causes renal failure. And then people go on ventilators with a 90% likelihood of death at that point. The vaccine, of course, prevented none of that. And there was never any proof that it would or could. But forget about that. Emily Oster has links she can send you that say, hey, there was some really, really fine science saying the thing that you're not saying, saying the thing that I was saying and that I made everybody agree was true. And sure, it's all proven to be wrong, but it was right at the time. So we were wrong for the right reasons. Now, let's stop talking about it. The most healing and unifying thing we can do is simply let it go. Notably, Vaccination rates for children, for measles, pertussis, etc., are way down. Rather than debating the role that messaging about COVID vaccines had in this decline, we need to put all our energy into bringing these rates back up. Get it? That's your amnesty. You were right about the vaccines, but we have to continue pumping your child full of all sorts of other vaccines to make up for it. Pediatricians and public health officials will need to work together on community outreach and politicians will need to consider school mandates. They have learned 
absolutely nothing. This article only exists to convince her fellow elitists to stop being quite so mean to the no-no people, but she can't even go that far. Because she says for the actual purveyors of misinformation, well, we don't need to amnesty with them. She just doesn't want anyone to be mad while the same people keep doing the same things. Because after all, they're still the experts. The standard saying is that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. But dwelling on the mistakes of history can lead to a repetitive doom loop as well. Let's acknowledge that we made complicated choices in the face of deep uncertainty and then try to work together to build back and move forward. I mean, she literally dropped the global communist agenda in the last phrase of this article. We must all agree that it's time to build back better and for all the people who are upset to let it go. Hey, Emily Oster, professor at Brown University. No deal. There will be no amnesty coming. None whatsoever. No one has any desire to unify around your position. Now let's go over that last paragraph once again. The standard saying is that those who forget history are doomed to repeat it. Well, that is a wonderful observation, Professor Emily Oster economist at Brown University, which history should we remember? Because you and your colleagues are constantly rewriting history. Remember when the 1619 project came out and all of the people like you said that it was necessary for a racial healing in the United States, that we rediscover a different history written by a person who is not a historian. And in that history, white people are to blame for everything, particularly slavery, because we've already had the revision that somehow all white people own slaves, except it turns out that it wasn't all white people. And it certainly wasn't all white people selling those slaves out of Africa. But they all imagined that that history would be more productive going forward. They didn't say to black people whose ancestors may or may not have been slaves well over 150 years ago that they should let it go. No, they said, remember things that never happened to you and happened to other people and understand that this other group of people hates you forever. And man, I would hate If they had already revised the history of World War II before they taught it to us, I don't remember being taught in school that people like George Soros, who were helping to locate their neighbors so their property could be taken from them before they were put onto Nazi trains, would end up being among some of the most powerful people in the world. I don't remember learning in school about how there were still Nazis in Ukraine and that they were funded and supported by people like George Soros, who apparently just could never give the whole thing up. It's odd that Professor Emily Oster would suggest that if we forget our history, we are doomed to repeat it while she and her colleagues were proponents 
of medical segregation if people refuse to sign up for the medical experiment without informed consent in violation of the Nuremberg Codes. And you might remember just a paragraph or so back where she suggested that we need more school vaccination mandates to make up for the fact that the COVID vaccine has clued everybody in to the idea that the vaccines, all vaccines, are not safe and not effective. That's the sort of history we should not learn because that's the sort of history we must be doomed to repeat. I mean, better safe than sorry. And let's forget the World War II history about censorship. Let's forget that entirely because Emily Oster and all her colleagues are having a collective meltdown about the return of some small measure of free speech on Twitter. Many of the banned accounts are not back. Accounts like mine are throttled and shadow banned. But we should just let that go. We should forget about the history where society-wide sexual degeneracy eventually leads to the downfall of societies. We should forget about the history of slavery, because if we remembered the history of slavery, then we would recognize that the immigration system being pushed on us by the globalists is absolutely a modern day slave trade where people from communities around the world who have been impoverished by the policies and agenda of the global communists are extracted from those communities by NGOs aligned with the United Nations, promising that they will have a better life in the United States or in Europe. And then they are shipped across the seas, but not by slave ships, just by very nice planes. And then they land and are received by other NGOs aligned with the United Nations and the global communists. They are passed off to cartels who take them across the American border where they are received by other NGOs. And on their cartel journey, there are rapes, there are murders, there are various other kinds of assaults and exploitations, including of children. But it's worth it because the situations they were leaving were so bad. They were subject to climate change. They're climate change refugees. And when they get to America, if they're still alive and not completely destroyed in their souls... The NGOs will disperse them around the country to wherever they are most needed, and they will be given housing and medical care and education and jobs. And their education, of course, will be in the American public school tradition where they are turned into militant communists voting for Democrats, or at least their kids will be. The immigrants themselves will be registered to vote automatically at the DMV, and then their ballots will be harvested and their votes will be cast for them using the political power of these people who, for all intents and purposes, absolutely are slaves. Let's, of course, remember that their labor is exploited. But hey, if you forget history, then these people are not slaves. They're climate refugees seeking asylum from the sun in the only land where we might be able to save the earth from the sun by eliminating plastic straws. Let's forget about history entirely. So no one knows the better when we choose to repeat it. And that's exactly what's going on here. 
They revise the history and revise it and revise it until the history is something it was not. And if you do it well enough, then no one will realize the new threat as something that has always been around. We need to trust only the new thing because it's based on the latest research. And all of these subjects are things that no people in the history of humankind have ever had to deal with. So we need the new information. We need the latest research. We need the word of the experts, the people who are being responsible once all the facts come in. And if we don't go along with it, if we don't behave well, then we'll be told that we're the ones whose past is going to come back and haunt everybody. These people now pretend that fascism is a right-wing ideology, even though the people who came up with it were devout Marxists. But it doesn't matter because we've already forgotten that part of history. It's crazy, isn't it? How history just repeats and it's always the same people and their lineage doing it. No one doubts that IBM and Ford worked hand in hand with Nazis. But here IBM and Ford are still massive corporations. Adidas was literally founded by a Nazi and they made news for canceling Kanye West's contract over anti-Semitism. But that's one of the histories that it's good to forget. Don't you see? Yesterday, the NFL had commercials about stopping Jewish hate. And what does that even mean? If Jews control the media by virtue of the facts on who controls the media, it's only a statement of fact. There's no way to say that in a hateful way. It's only a fact. Now, if hateful people do bad things with that fact, that's a different scenario, but stating the fact is merely stating a fact. So the very responsible people want to wait for all the facts to come in. And once we have learned all the facts and the very responsible people have turned out wrong about everything, once again, it is up to us to let it go because now they've offered us an amnesty, but not, not all of us, only the ones that they were like already cool with because the most important thing, of course, for high level members of the party of false decorum is to never lose their wealth or their status or their power because they know what they've done to acquire it. All the sacrifices they've made, all the moral degradation they've subjected themselves to, to have the lofty position of professor at Brown University. Or even better, the lofty position of the verified blue check mark on Twitter. But that's changing too, because Elon Musk has announced that now that verification badge is going to come with a $20 per month fee. If you want your little blue badge, you have to pay $20 a month. And this is one of the smartest things I've ever seen, honestly. Congratulations, Elon Musk, because this is a perfect reputational catch 22 for all of these people. They rely on that blue check mark to get other people to take them seriously. The blue check mark comes with all sorts of little advantages. 
that make it so whoever bears the little blue checkmark has a safer experience on Twitter. What will they do without their little badge? No one's going to know how important they are anymore. Well, hey, kids, people can know how important and valuable the things you say are simply by reading the things you say. It's not the fault of normal people that your social class believes the blue check mark means we're always right and no one can argue with us. So they can either lose their little badge of relevancy or they can be known as the sort of person who would pay $20 a month for that little badge of relevancy. And how does that work when your class of people has oppressed over half the country and impoverished tens of millions of people? Will they respect you when you spend $250 a year on your little symbol of being in the special club? I doubt it. Are you going to go around telling everyone that, oh, actually my work paid for it? Yeah, my work pays for everyone's. Okay, commie, people are really going to respect that. This is an absolutely brilliant eradication of false authority. What we are witnessing is the status of our cultural elites being systematically destroyed by free speech and what by any possible definition, is actual equality. The thing they say they always want. And isn't that amazing? It's like they don't actually want equality at all. They want equality for everyone else who's not them or like them or, hey, better than them. You know, the best people like the philanthropists. All the blue checks know that they hold a very high status position in the party of false decorum, and they can't see that slip away. They have done everything to achieve it. This is a waking nightmare for them. 24 hours a day, all it took was someone else owning Twitter. All of these people are absolutely horrified about the fact that they might have to compete in a meritocracy, that they might have to compete in a marketplace of ideas, they don't have to compete. They're professors, they're experts, they're celebrities. They're already entitled to everyone's respect. That's what the blue check is for. And interestingly, this morning, people began seeing their accounts suspended and deleted from Instagram. And it looks like some of those people may have gotten them back. But what was going on while their accounts were down? How was their history of communications manipulated? But maybe it's just an error. Or maybe it's an early sign that Instagram and Meta and probably Google and YouTube are concerned about what might be shared on their platforms now that Twitter is not coordinating its censorship with the other platforms through who? the government. Here's the hot news story on Twitter coming to you from Lee Fang of the website, The Intercept. Who is The Intercept owned by? Well, Pierre Omidyar, the founder of eBay, a billionaire who donates exclusively to Democrat and global communist causes. 
So understand that before we go through this, because the intercept is only allowed to say the things that the regime is okay with them saying, which takes an issue like this from being, as it's widely seen, a revelation and makes it nothing more than another limited hangout. Here is Lee Fang's thread. Docs show Facebook and Twitter closely collaborating with the Department of Homeland Security and FBI to police disinfo. Plans to expand censorship on topics like withdrawal from Afghanistan, origins of COVID, info that undermines trust in financial institutions. FBI agent Laura Demlo was in communications with Facebook that led to the suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story in 2020 over the false allegation that it was disinfo. This year, she met with Twitter and DHS to stress, quote, we need a media infrastructure that is held accountable. Facebook and Twitter created special portals for the government to rapidly request takedowns of content. The portals, along with NGO partners, used to censor a wide range of content, including obvious parody accounts and content disagreeing with government pandemic policy. Now, how long have I been talking about this backed up by hard and irrefutable evidence? A year and a half, two years, two and a half years. The emails and documents show close collaboration between DHS and private sector. Twitter's Vijay Gotti, fired by Elon Musk last week, met monthly with DHS to discuss censorship plans. Microsoft exec texted DHS platforms have got to get comfortable with government. And a note on Gotti and Parag Agrawal, the former Twitter CEO, Elon Musk actually fired them for cause, which means they don't get their golden parachute. And as you might imagine, our betters are freaking out about that, too. How does DHS justify its evolving mission from countering foreign terror groups to policing domestic disinfo on social media? Leaked planning docs show the agency argues false information is a source of radicalization and violence. You got it? So they're not censoring. They're actually protecting all the good people. Just like always, they're not doing the bad thing. They're doing a good thing that we will later find out was a bad thing and misguided. You know, once all the facts come in and people should remain really responsible about it until then. And once all the facts come in, maybe we elites will grant an amnesty to all of the people we've oppressed so long as they promise never to talk about what we've done. What a good deal. And here's the last part of the thread. You can find the article at theintercept.com. The headline is Truth Cops. Leaked documents outline DHS's plans to police disinformation. Earlier this year, DHS launched a widely planned disinfo governance board, which it later shuttered following criticism. But the same agenda lives on with DHS sub-agency CISA, which argues disinfo is a threat to American critical infrastructure. Did I tell you about that part six months ago, too? Course. So is this a revelation? Absolutely not. Not at all. Why does every very serious intellectual on Twitter think it is? 
because they still haven't come to terms with the fact that all of the information they've received in the last two and a half years has come from inside a censored bubble where information from the outside never reaches them. The people we believe are the most responsible purveyors of information in our culture did not know any of this before today, which is strange because every listener of mine has known it for a very long time. Everyone who pays attention to Judicial Watch and doesn't call Tom Fitton a conspiracy theorist knew when Judicial Watch released FOIA documents showing the exact same thing in April of 2021, stuff that went all the way back from the middle of 2020. There is no revelation here. It's only limited hangout. But let's forget about all that. The important thing is that we unify with our betters. They were always better than us. They were the experts. They were the responsible purveyors of information who would not say a single word about anything until all the facts came in, even though the story that was out there was completely and totally false. And now we can't make fun of them. We can't make jokes about it. Oh, we're so mean. These are the very people who in a normal society would be widely seen as obviously the oppressors. And of course they will be in a very, very short time, so long as we have some minor form of free speech. And they won't go quietly because they don't believe it was their fault. They'll say they were lied to. They never could have known. All the facts hadn't come in and we knew that we couldn't listen to the no-no people. Even though they were right the whole time about everything, they were right for the wrong reasons. We were wrong for the right reasons. But sure, we'll forgive them as long as they stop saying that we were ever wrong. We're all just better off forgetting that history. If we don't forget what happened, then we might be held accountable. And no one can know what that would look like. I mean, what did they do with media figures who supported the Nazi regime? Don't you remember your history? Everybody forgave them and just simply let it go. And hey, if we're going to pretend that a half-naked, homeless, hippie, drug addict, Green Party member, BLM supporter tried to assassinate Nancy Pelosi and ended up in a scuffle with her also half-naked husband and began hitting him with a hammer that Paul Pelosi was holding when the police arrived and the whole story fell apart immediately, well, then we definitely need to forget about this history as well. And that's what this is all about. Secret Service said they have dissuaded him from coming to Capitol Hill. They told him they don't have the resources to protect him here. So at the moment, he is not coming, but that could... Change. 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 I would come to punch him out. This oh, is my no, mom. I would pay I'm waiting for this, for trespassing on the Capitol grounds. I'm going to punch him out and I'm going to go to jail and I'm going to be happy. You see, this is the sort of history we have to forget. We just have to let it go. The Speaker of the House was promoting political violence carried out by herself. And all of the communists and J6 supporters cheered. 
They thought this was heroic. Nancy was showing what it would be like if she was a president. She was calling in the troops because Donald Trump left his post, even though Donald Trump had approved those troops days before. But we should forget that history, too, because otherwise we might hold them accountable for all the things they've said and all the things they've done. And it's better for them if we pretend this obvious cover up of an embarrassing situation for a family full of corrupt degenerates was actually an assassination attempt and an example of what normal Americans are going to do if the regime is not allowed to remain in power. But hey, commies, no deals, only full accountability for each and every one of you. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash imyourmoderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!